Hello everybody, today I'm going to get extremely pissed about this topic, PragerU. Hello guys, uh, Editor Jamie here, but I found two clips for you that I want to play for you that are actually really, really good and positive before, you know, we get into the bad stuff, which is PragerU today. But anyways, the first clip is of a young girl named Kai Shapley, and she's a young transgender girl who lives in Texas, and she went up to basically protest a uh, Texas proposition to, um, to restrict trans kids, trans youth, from accessing gender-affirming healthcare. Hello, my name is Kai Shapley. Um, I love ballet, math, science, and geology. I spend my free time with my cats, chickens, FaceTiming my friends, and dreaming of when I will finally meet Dolly Parton. I do not like spending my free time asking adults to make good choices. I've been having to explain myself since I was three or four years old. Texas legislators have been attacking me since pre-K. I am in fourth grade now. When it comes to bills that target trans youth, I immediately feel angry. It's been very scary and overwhelming. It just, it makes me sad that some politicians use trans kids like me to get votes from people who hate me just because I exist. God made me. God loves me for who I am and God does not make mistakes. You should be careful how you treat the least of these. Please just listen to me, hear me, try to educate yourselves, try to understand everybody. My mom has been giving everything she has to stand up for me. With these new things y'all are trying to do, we both are having to advocate for each other because you are now targeting a great mom and a great nurse. My mom needs her nursing license to take care of me and my siblings. Bullying is bad. Please stop. Don't make bad choices. It's never too late to turn it around. And I want to say thank you to those of you who are sticking up for kids like me. By the time I am in college, you will be celebrated in the history books. Thank you for your testimony, Kai. Thank you for being here. This, this is so powerful because she's speaking up for what she believes in and yeah, adults need to figure this out that this kid is no threat. She's just trying to live her life authentically. Some of the comments on this post are very, very disgusting. I mean, it's a mixture of positive and negative, but one of them, this feels forced. Why did trans kids suddenly become a thing? Is this propaganda? I don't have a problem with kid. Seems kind and, and intelligent, but why? I feel like the internet is influencing a lot of new generations and not for the good. <sighs> I've, I've gone over this, but trans kids did not just suddenly start becoming a thing. And another one says, trans? She's like 10. Well, you gotta remember, just because a kid is young does not mean they don't know their own gender identity. Anyways, the next clip I have for you before we get into PragerU is from 
a man named Brandon Bulwer. Let's hear what he has to say now, shall we? My name is Brandon Bulwer, and Chairman, I'll go as quickly as I can. Uh, I'm a lifelong Missourian, I'm a business lawyer, I'm a Christian, I'm the son of a Methodist minister, I'm a husband, I'm the father of four kids, two boys, two girls, including a wonderful and beautiful transgender uh, daughter, who uh, today happens to be her birthday, and uh, I chose to be here. She doesn't know that, she thinks I'm at work. One thing I often hear when transgender issues are discussed is, I don't get it, I don't understand. And I would expect some of you to have said that and feel the same way. I didn't get it either. Uh, for years, I didn't get it. For years, um, I would not let my daughter wear girl clothes. I did not let her play with girl toys. I forced my daughter to wear boy clothes and uh, get short haircuts, play on boy sports teams. Why did I do this? To protect my child. I did not want my daughter or her siblings to get teased. And truth be told, I did it to protect myself as well. I wanted to avoid those inevitable questions uh, as to why my child did not look and act like a boy. My child was miserable. I cannot overstate that. She was absolutely miserable, especially at school. No confidence, no friends, no laughter. I, and I, I honestly say this, I had a child who did not smile. We did that for years. We did that against the advice of teachers, therapists, and other experts. I remember the day everything changed for me. I'd gotten home from work and my daughter and her brother were in the front lawn. And uh, she had, my daughter had sneaked on one of her um, older sister's play dresses. And they wanted to go across the street and play with the neighbor's kids. It was time for dinner. I said, come in. Uh, she asked, can she go across the street? I said, no. She, she asked me if she, if she went inside and put on boy clothes, could she then go across the street and play? And it, it, it's then that it hit me that my daughter was equating being good with being someone else. I was teaching her to deny who she is. As a parent, the one thing we cannot do, the one thing, is silence our child's spirit. And so on that day, my wife and I stopped silencing our child's spirit. The moment we allowed my daughter to be who she is, to grow her hair, to wear the clothes she wanted to wear, she was a different child. And I mean, it was immediate. It was a total transformation. I now have a confident, a smiling, a happy daughter. She plays on a girls volleyball team. She has friendships. She's a kid. I came here today as a parent to share my story. I need you to understand that this language, if it becomes law, will have real effects on real people. It will affect my daughter. It will mean she cannot play on the girls' volleyball team or dance squad or tennis team. I ask you, please don't take that away from my daughter or the countless others like her who are out there. Let them have their childhoods. Let them be who they are. I ask you to vote against this legislation. And that, my friends, is the perfect example of a supportive parent. He didn't understand it. He didn't understand his daughter at first, but he took the time to learn. And as you saw, that completely changed his viewpoint on it, and that's just super cool to see, because not everybody who has that, that mindset changes. But those are the kinds of kids that people like Abigail Schreier want to silence. 
and that's that's just not cool because they're literally just kids they just want to live and they're trying to live as the true authentic self anyways that's all i have planned for this not planned segment but now into the actual episode that i had recorded previously 10 9 8 7 6 5 4 3 Two, one, zero. So the chances are you've probably either heard of them or seen one of their various videos or ads. So first off, a bit of background into PragerU. So PragerU is a nonprofit that makes videos on various topics. They're very heavily conservative as well. And despite the name, PragerU is not an academic institution and does not hold classes, grant certifications, or diplomas, and is not accredited by any recognized body. PragerU makes videos over a range of topics including climate change, racial issues, politics, and opposition to immigration have been criticized as misleading or factually incorrect. The organization relies on tax-deductible donations, and much of its early funding came from billionaires Dan and Ferris Wilkes. Now, one of their most recently posted videos is called Why Girls Become Boys, which I'm going to be reacting to today. And this mainly focuses on trans men. And this video's speaker is Abigail Schreier, who wrote a very problematic book called Irreversible Damage, Transgender Craze Seducing Our Daughters. The book endorses the theory of rapid onset gender dysphoria, which we'll get later to in the ad. And she states that online trans influencers encourage questioning youth to identify as trans, experiment with breast binding and testosterone, and disown or lie to unsupportive family members. Schreier discusses trans activism and related controversies including sex-specific privacy concerns, passing versus trans visibility, and the role of celebrities in increasing trans acceptance, conflict between transgender people and lesbians or radical feminists, trans feminine slash MTF athletes competing in girls and women's sports, and the use of trans-inclusive language, intersectionality, and identity politics. He argues that medical interventions such as puberty blockers, cross sex hormones, and surgeries include, include risks, and describes a transgender person who, be, who became disabled after a failed surgery. So I tried to research the situation about that failed surgery, but I couldn't find anything about it. And as I've mentioned in previous episodes, puberty blockers are not harmful. They've been used for decades, no harmful side effects. And basically all of those just appeal to every transphobe argument transphobes arguments. And yes, brain surgery involves however, every surgery has some sort of risk. As a patient, you are taking that risk that something may go wrong. And this just doesn't this doesn't just apply to trans people or LGBT people in general. And just because one person had a bad experience during transition transition surgery doesn't mean everyone will. And to address and to address detransitioning only about 8% of people fully detransitioning, according to a 2015 study by the National Center for Transgender Equality. In a July 2020 interview on the Joe Rogan Experience, Trier called the desire to transition a contagion and compared it with eating disorders and self-harm. He associated transgender youth with autism. Men's Health described Schreier's comments as invalidating the lived experience of trans and non-binary kids and teens. Now that we have some extensive background into PragerU and Abigail Schreier, let's dive into this horrendous ad. If you know any middle or high school girls today, 
or if you are one yourself. So, I know you guys can't see the video, but Abigail Schreier is dressed in the doctor coat looking thing, which can make people think she knows what she's talking about, but she does not. She's not a doctor by a long shot, and PragerU also makes these like big claims with no sources cited to back them up, so take what they say and assume it's false unless they cite a source. It would not be surprising if you know someone who identifies as transgender. The latest statistics indicate that 2% of American high school students now identify as transgender, and the overwhelming majority of them are teenage girls. So, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention today released a report that shows almost 2% of high schoolers identify as transgender, and 35% attempted suicide in the past year, of course, the CDC and the TrevorProject.org. And while technically it isn't 2%, the actual percent is 1.8%, but it is close. And this number, the 1.8%, isn't technically correct either, because it doesn't involve closeted trans people. And obviously, there are going to be a lot of um, closeted trans people, which doesn't add to this data, and you can't figure out like who's closeted and trans. So therefore, the data is going to be skewed, but there's no accurate way to measure this completely. What Abigail fails to mention is the, amount, is the amount of bullying that trans kids face. 35% are bullied at school, and 27% don't feel safe going to school, according to the CDC. And these trans kids, including myself, are not just coming out for fun. In fact, being trans puts a big target on your back, and it's not fun. It's also worthy of note that the study was talking about how we need to be more accepting and give trans kids a safer space. This wasn't meant to be fear-mongering. Like, 2% isn't a large portion by a long shot, and to me it's meant that while trans kids are a minority, they're still around and need to be treated with respect. Seeking gender surgery in America quadrupled. But if you graduated high school over a decade ago, it was unlikely that you knew anyone who was transgender. Huh, it's almost like if you came out as transgender 10 years ago, you would be disowned and possibly killed for it. But yeah, I'm sure that had nothing to do with that, right? Because, according to the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, the condition underlying it afflicted roughly 1 in 10,000 people, or 0.01% of the population. Okay, that's based on the amount of people openly identifying as trans. And that number is probably way higher than that, since it doesn't include the amount of closeted trans people. It's like the 2% and the 1.8% thing. Almost none of these cases were teenage girls. In fact, before 2012, there was no scientific or medical literature discussing adolescent girls who wanted to transition to the opposite sex. So, this was one of the many things thrown at us by PragerU, and these aren't facts. Transgender research is lacking even now, and it's not exactly surprising that 10 years ago there wasn't a lot of transgender data for either trans men or trans women. And trans women were more researched in back then compared to trans men. That doesn't mean that we didn't know about transgender individuals. Gender dysphoria, the severe discomfort in one's biological sex, has been studied for nearly 100 years. Oh, okay, so some of the old research into transgender individuals is actually quite disturbing. According to scientificamerican.com's article, The Disturbing History of Research into Transgender Identity, in 1975, psychiatrist Robert Storer of the University of California, Los Angeles, wrote something bizarre in his textbook on sex and gender. He asserted that people who were assumed to be boys when they were born 
whose gender identity, identity or expression did not match that assumption, often have pretty faces with fine hair, lovely complexions, graceful movements, and especially big piercing liquid eyes. Based on this observation, he suggested a theoretical model in which transgender girls become transgender because they are especially cute. Society treats them more like girls, he reasoned, and because of this experience, they decide or they start to identify as female. In 1993, a group of researchers and at the Clark Institute of Psychiatry in Toronto set out, set out to test his hypothesis that beauty and what was then called gender identity disorder were linked. They recruited 17 birth-assigned boys with the diagnosis and the 17 assigned birth-assigned boys without it, all around the age of 8. The researchers took, then took headshots of the children and showed them to 30, 36 college students. Students were asked to rate the younger, the young, god I cannot speak, I'm so sorry, rate the youngsters physical, physical appearance on a scale from 1 to 5, with categories such as attractive, handsome, and beautiful. In the end, the college students found the children with gender identity disorder to be prettier than the cisgender boys. The findings seemed to suggest Stoller was right, perhaps, because of their appearance. Uh, I'm sorry. Because of their appearance, people treated the youngsters in the former group more like girls, and consequently, they became transgender. Though, as the authors mention later in the paper, equally plausible theory is that these children could have altered their appearance, long hair, etc., in ways that match their identity, leading the college students to associate themselves with more feminine descriptions, such as pretty. And I personally rec recommend checking out the article for yourself, because it is quite interesting. It almost always involved boys who began feeling it between the ages of two and four, and were strong and persistent in their assertions to everyone around them that they were really girls. When a phenomenon that affects one half of a population, boys, suddenly begins affecting the other half, girls, and when its age of onset shifts from preschool to adolescence, something significant is happening. Okay, okay, hold on, hold the phone. Trans men did not just start happening. The research just opened up, and it didn't just, quote-unquote, start affecting the other half. The reason gender dysphoria tends to happen later for trans men is because of puberty. Most cis girls' breasts start to develop through puberty, like the start of puberty and through it, and trans men tend to be dysphoric about their breasts. So, it makes sense that gender dysphoria starts later in trans men. Trans women, on the other hand, tend to be dysphoric about their penis, and this men are always born with a penis, just doesn't develop over time. Come on, Shire, do better. In 2016, Brown University public health researcher Lisa Littman Oh my god, no, not Littman. If you don't know who she is, Lisa Littman created the term rapid onset gender dysphoria to describe surveyed parents' accounts of their teenage children suddenly manifesting symptoms of gender dysphoria and self-identifying as transgender simultaneously with other children in their peer group. Whitman speculated that rapid onset gender dysphoria could be a social coping mechanism for other disorders. ROGD is not recognized by any major professional association. It's also harmed a great many deal of trans people and the trans community as a whole. Her research was literally so flawed that the site it was published to had to take it down, and she had to revise a lot of it with very major revisions 
before it was republished onto the site. So on the website where it was posted, journals.polos.org, it says, quote, To maximize the chances of finding cases meeting eligibility criteria, the three websites, Fourth Wave Now, Transgender Trend, and Youth Transcritical Professionals, were selected for transgender or for targeted recruitment. It also says, this report did not collect data for the, from the adolescents and young adults, or clinicians, and therefore does not validate the phenomenon. And that section is under emphasis that this is a study of parental observations which serves to develop hypotheses. Okay, so first of all, only parents were used in the study. And second, these are all known transphobic websites. So they found parents on, a trans on transphobic websites, and that's their opinions for the study. Of course, they're going to be against it. They're transphobic. Began studying the sudden spike in trans identification of teenage girls. She concluded that peer influence and social media influence had a lot to do with this trans teen phenomenon. After all, based on parent reports, none of these girls had exhibited symptoms of gender dysphoria at the age that it typically first presents, early childhood. Once again, as I've mentioned earlier, trans men tend to be dysphoric about their breasts, and breasts don't develop until teenage years. So again, it makes sense that transgender men don't realize that they're transgender until they're a teenager. YouTube, Reddit, Tumblr, TikTok, and Instagram all host popular social media influencers, today's version of Hollywood stars, who insist that if you feel uncomfortable in your body, you're probably trans. Whoa there, that is a bold claim. And holy shit, no. I've watched a great many trans people on YouTube, and not one of them has ever claimed that if you feel uncomfortable in your body, that you're trans. None of them have said that, ever. Many promise that if you start a course of testosterone, all of your problems will go away. Oh my god, no. No. I watch so many transgender YouTube, transgender YouTubers, like I said earlier, not one of them has ever claimed, oh, if you start taking testosterone, it'll solve all your problems right now. Not one of them. Damn, that's just, that's a bold claim with no evidence whatsoever. There's every reason to believe that these girls are experiencing real psychological pain. Rates of anxiety, depression, and instances of self-harm are all at record levels for this generation. I mean, have, have you looked at the world recently? We're separated from people. We haven't seen some friends in over a year, and people are trying to silence trans rights and our struggles. I mean, I don't know. I think it's pretty obvious why all those rates are at record levels. But, you know, she also makes it seem like trans people are the source of the problem. And trust me, honey, we aren't. We're just trying to live life. A quick fix becomes very tempting. So it doesn't take much. A YouTube video, a friend's suggestion, to get a troubled girl to buy into the fantasy that gender transition is the answer. Unfortunately for these girls who do not have typical gender dysphoria, gender transition rarely offers relief. And it's a catastrophic mistake for psychologists, educators, and the medical establishment to rush these teens towards a solution that will almost certainly harm rather than heal. Because here's what's not in dispute. Unnecessary medical gender transition causes irreversible damage. 
high risk of infertility, sexual dysfunction, and the creation of a permanent medical patient. Okay, okay, well let's break this down. So if you're a cis woman with no gender dysphoria, transitioning is obviously not going to help you. Because if you've never had gender dysphoria in the first place, it won't help. However, for trans people in general, gender surgery can be a big boost, so it will actually help them. And she's not a doctor or expert in this field, but she's basically saying that trans people, or sorry, just people in general, shouldn't be listening to these people who are actually trained in the field. And transitioning is also not that fast, Tony. You have to go through psychologists, doctors, and for some people, this can take years before they can medically or surgically transition. Even for something simple as uh, hormones. And this isn't to say that people don't regret transitioning though. In a 2015 study survey of nearly 28,000 people conducted by the US-based National Center for Transgender Equality, only 8% of respondents reported detransitioning, and 62% of those people said they were only detransitioned temporarily. And the most common reason for detransitioning, according to the survey, was pressure from a parent, while only 0.4% of respondents said that they detransitioned after realizing transitioning wasn't the right for them. Source NBC News. And there's also so much fear-mongering going on here. She uses words like catastrophic mistake, harm rather than heal, irreversible damage, permanent medical patient, and Technically, aren't we all permanent medical patients anyways? Because we all need medical care throughout our lives. And as I mentioned earlier, it's not easy to get treatment when you're trans. Tragically, we've made it far too easy for kids to take this path, long before they're ready psychologically or emotionally to make such a life-altering decision. Testosterone is easily obtained by today's teens. Trust me, it is not easy to obtain. And so much misgendering too. In Oregon, a 15-year-old can walk into a gender clinic. Yes, there are now gender clinics all over the country and walk out the same day with a prescription for testosterone without her parents' permission. Okay, so I looked into this and trans women are struggling to even get access to trans-affirming healthcare. And in Oregon, uh, 15, 15 is the age of medical and dental consent. So this isn't just trans kids. Any 15-year-old can go and consent to any medical or denter, dental procedure, as long as it's in line with, like, not extreme or anything. And it's also reported that a teen is highly unlikely to get any sort of transgender healthcare without their parents' permission or involvement. 16-year-old girls have been able to undergo double mastectomies, the removal of both breasts, without even a therapist's note. Okay, I don't think trans men are able to get top surgery without a doctor's note. So, according to the Oregon Healthcare Plan for Gender Dysphoria, it states, quote, In the rare case where a physician and an older teen, along with their family, decides that surgery before the age of 18 would be the best course of action and, it, and is medically necessary, then the same laws would apply for medical consent generally. So, in these rare cases, a doctor's note and parent's consent would be needed. So, Literally, that just proves the entire point wrong. Because it's in very rare cases that an under 18 would actually be able to get a double mastectomy. And that's just not true. You do need a doctor's note, and you do need parent involvement. Predictably, 
hasty gender transition, remember we're talking about teenagers here, is now leading to a lot of regret. New testimonials appear on YouTube almost every week from teens who acknowledge that they made a terrible mistake and warn others not to make the same one. Where is she getting this data? I've never seen a new detransitioner video on YouTube every week. So obviously there are going to be some, but there aren't new ones coming out every week because the full detransition rate is only 8%. And you have to remember, only, like I said, literally a second ago, only 8% of trans people who've medically transitioned completely medically detransition. And this is from that 1.8 minority of people who identify as transgender. So how do you protect your daughter from being drawn into this dangerous and growing trend? First, limit their exposure to social media as much as you can. Several academic studies have already linked the alarming rates of anxiety and depression to young girls' punishing experience on social media, a place that often makes them feel sad, unattractive, and alone. This isn't just exclusive to trans people, though. Yes, it's an important issue, but not related to the topic of the video at all. For some, social media is a big booster. I know on my Instagram account, I love seeing people comment on my posts because it makes me feel good about myself. Now yes, obviously it can go the other way, and to some degree parents are responsible for it, but I think if a parent's like hovering over their kid finding out what they do on social media, that's just weird, because you gotta respect privacy. Second, oppose the teaching of gender ideology in your kid's school. In California, gender identity education begins in kindergarten and proceeds through high school. The theme is that kids' gender identity is totally independent of their physical sex, and something that only they can know. I, I don't know about you, but I was never taught about different genders in school. I'm in high school now, and I've still never been taught. The only reason I know is because of my own personal research. And this literally just says, oh, I don't want schools safe for LGBT kids. And gender is different from sex. I know I've said it so many times, and there are so many studies that scientifically prove this. Journals.psychology.org, danmed.stanford.edu, and scientificamerican.com, to name a few. And it's good that they're teaching that. It's important to know. Because otherwise you could be very transphobic and homophobic, and it's not cool. Education is the key to learning. Schools can and should insist that every child be treated respectfully, without sowing gender confusion in an entire student population. To me, this is literally just saying like, oh, all schools should treat everyone with respect, except for those trans kids, they don't deserve it. Third, and most importantly, Remember that a teenager is still just a teenager. You don't have to agree with every identity proclamation your daughter comes up with. Knowledge of her identity will develop over time. Until then, being the adult in the relationship is the most loving thing you can do. Hmm, accepting your child for who they are is the most respectful thing you can do to ensure your kid won't hate you. Kids have such a comprehensive understanding of their own sexuality and gender you just gotta listen. And what she's saying is that kids can't understand their own gender, but you know, they can go work at a job or contribute to society, drive a car. Fucking bullshit. I'm Abigail Schreier, author of Irreversible Damage, The Transgender Craze Seducing Our Daughters for Prager University. <sighs> well, we made it to the end, guys. Congratulations, we made it. 
Man, though, there's so much misgendering, and that just that just pisses me off. But obviously, this ad was very horrible, as all of the other Prigryu ads out there are. And I'm not surprised that it's this bad and this ill-researched. I spent about two, three hours doing research for a five and a half minute ad, and I'm willing to bet I did more research than she did. And the fact that their arguments are literally transphobic claim, and just trust us. Anyways, I hope you didn't die too much from this ad, and man, this is like the sixth time that I've seen this damn thing. Oh, that wouldn't be as bad if they just cited any form of a source. If you've noticed through that five and a half minute ad, they didn't sort, they didn't cite a single source. Anyways, till next time, Ray out.